0: Welcome back to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined us on this fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. In Jesus' day, salt was not just a flavoring. It was, but more importantly, it was used to preserve food. So in the days before refrigerators and freezers, if you wanted to preserve meat and fish, you'd have to salt it so that it would ensure a long shelf life, much like we do with beef jerky. Which stays pretty much forever at room temperature, and so when Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, he's not just saying that we are just kind of a nice flavoring sprinkled on the earth. He's saying rather that we have an unrepeatable role of preserving the world from falling into utter corruption. It's interesting that there's an ancient Jewish tradition called the Zadikim Nistarim, which says that there are 36 hidden people in the world in every generation who sustain the world by their holiness. It is said in the Talmud, which is an ancient Jewish commentary on the scriptures, that if the number fell below 36, the world would be destroyed because of its sinfulness. And so these 36 holy people, usually unknown to the rest of the world, they sustain it in the sight of God. And of course, 36 is a number that's very symbolic. It's three members of each of the 12 tribes. And why three? Because of the threefold praise of holy, holy, holy that the angels say to God for eternity. And so one day, there was a person in the early 20th century asking Rabbi Abraham Heschel whether or not he was one of the Zadikim. In humility, he responded, well, maybe, but what's preventing you from becoming one? That is an excellent question. What is to prevent us from becoming that kind of Christian who brings joy to the heart of God? What is to prevent us from being the kind of Christian whose life and holiness preserves the world from falling into self-destruction? This gospel for this weekend falls in the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, which is both a beautiful and a challenging discourse. Starting with Beatitudes last weekend, we're going to continue reading this sermon over the next several weeks. And This Sermon on the Mount really lays out a very radical new way of understanding our life in Jesus Christ. Love your enemies, for example. Don't even look at a woman with lust. Blessed are the poor, the sorrowful, the persecuted. Pray and give alms in secret. Radically trust God for every need. This is just a revolutionary concept of life as a follower of Christ, and one can live it fully, or one can live it half-heartedly. So Jesus leads off the sermon with the exaltation to live it fully, to be salt with full flavor, to be a light with full visibility. But here's the deal. We can't live this dynamic Sermon on the Mount through our own efforts. It's only possible in and through our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I think it's significant that in today's gospel, Jesus calls us the light of the world because that's the only title that's applied both to us and to Christ. He calls us the light of the world, and he says, I am the light of the world. It's much like the moon when you consider it, right? It has light, but only insofar as it's reflected from the sun. In the same way, we too are the light, but only because we're connected to him, the true light of the world. Yes, we're a candle, but we get our flame from he who is the flame of divine love. In fact, speaking of flames, St. Catherine of Siena once said, If you are who you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. If you are who you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. This world, which is indeed so steeped in corruption, is waiting for disciples who are unafraid to take Jesus at his words. So over the next few weeks, as we're hearing Christ's words in the Sermon on the Mount, don't just hear them with your ears, but rather hear them with your heart and put them into practice. His words really are the best and safest way to become a saint, and not just a saint, but salt, which preserves this corrupt world, light, which shines in the dark fog of modernity. You know, back in the 1200s, the church and the world was also in great disarray, much like today. Immoral clergy, corrupt leaders, apathetic laity, that could be headlines from today's news. In response to such evil, though, some people wanted to live as the salt and the light, but they did it in the wrong way. There was a group that arose called the Cathars, which literally means the pure, who began to separate themselves from the church and the world. They said that the material world, marriage, even meat, was evil. And so they wanted to just separate themselves from it. It was all forbidden. And they believed, too, that the church was so corrupt that it was no longer the church of Christ. And so they separated themselves from the world and from the church. So they wanted to set up their own community, their own world that was just for the pure. And this became a pretty serious crisis in the church because a lot of people recognized some legitimate problems in the church and in the world, and they didn't know what the solution was. Now into this situation came a young man by the name of Francis from a small Italian town who gathered a few followers to live a life of radical poverty. He then began to march down to Rome to seek the approval of the Pope for his new order. Now, Pope Urban II had heard about this upstart group, and he worried that this was just another branch of the Cathars who wanted to reject the world, reject the church, turn away from everything, and just set up their own utopia. And so, initially, he decided to refuse to even meet with Francis, thinking he's one of those those heretical uh, sects. But rather, one night, Pope Urban had a striking dream in which he saw a giant church, St. John Lateran, the the, page, the head church of Christianity, which is the Pope's own cathedral, It was teetering, and it was toppling over, it was starting to crumble. But all of a sudden, a thin man in a brown robe stepped forth and steadied the church with his hand, preventing it from falling. When the Pope awoke, he realized that it was Francis who had come, not to flee the world and the church, but to renew and transform it through his holiness, through being that salt and light. And so Pope Urban immediately called for Francis and enthusiastically approved his new order of brothers. My friends, Francis was the salt that preserved a mixed-up church from falling into ruin, Rabbi Hirsch Heschel was the salt in a century of confusion, and he invited others to join him. If you and I put Jesus' words into practice, then we too will be the salt and light in a world so desperate for authentic Christian lives. You know, as St. Peter of Alcantara said, Truly, matters in this world are in a bad state, but if you and I begin in earnest to reform ourselves, a really good beginning will have been made. Stay salty, my friends.